and have a seat. Welcome to Village Church. If this is your first time here. <clears throat> My name is Steve, one of the pastors here at Village Church. And as always, I am thankful and grateful to see each and every one of you. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be starting in verse 26 this morning. We're well into the Christmas season. I hope you are enjoying it, probably watching uh, Christmas movies and uh, enjoying all of the positive themes of hope and faith. And it's my task to make you focus on the disappointment of the season. Uh, I love talking about negative things. That's one of the great joys of my life is being negative. Um, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be the realist. Somebody's got to come in and be honest with you about the shape of your life. But for the past two weeks, we've talked about the themes of hope and faith. And when we think about Christmas, we ground ourselves in the reality, if you are a follower of Jesus, and that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we read these narratives as though uh, the people that are involved, the human element, uh, isn't as real as our lives are, that these are somehow, it's kind of like watching a movie, that these are superheroes where the faith is concerned, but the opposite is actually true if you spend any time reading the narratives of scripture, is that these are people with real emotions, these are people who deal with issues like disappointment, and I don't think Mary and Joseph, in the way that they dealt with the first revelation that she was going to have this child, a virgin, uh, would have the baby Jesus. I don't think and I don't see in the narrative that it's just this instantaneous, oh good, my life is ruined. Oh good, my plans will forever be changed. Oh, this is great. You know, I had everything set up. I've done everything right in my life. I've saved myself for my husband and now my reputation is going to be ruined. Uh, now my husband uh, that I'm going to marry may even leave me. And the text actually says that Joseph had thought about putting her away quietly. And so when we read the Christmas narrative, it is not unlike anywhere else in scripture where real people deal with real problems and have real disappointments in the fact that God changes their plans for his purposes. What I hope you ultimately see today is that in all situations, God's purpose is always greater than our plan. And if you don't live with that reality by faith, you will miss out on the greatest opportunities to grow in your faith, and you will miss God moving in your life in the way that he could. I've taken it upon myself to prepare my children for disappointment. I don't think enough parents do. I think many parents struggle and they treat their kids as though everything's unicorns and rainbows. But the fact of the matter is, if you're not preparing your children for disappointment, they're going to be disappointed to the extent where it could possibly ruin their lives. I've seen it happen over and over again. And so whenever my kids are disappointed, I always tell them the same joke. And so much so they've gotten used to it. They know the punchline and the joke goes like this. Knock, knock. Yeah. Disappointment. It's the end of the joke, guys. You guys are <laughs> first service got it. You guys failed. Let's see how the third service does. But disappointment is always standing behind the door waiting for you to open it. That's the real stuff of life. There's a temptation, even for the follower of Jesus, to treat these narratives as though they are fairy tales. As though these are people elevated above the human experience. But what we see in these narratives is a real human experience. The truth is that during the holiday season, mental illness is skyrocketing, whether it be loneliness, whether it be some chemical imbalance that manifests itself because of trauma that is triggered through the season. But it's not just some kind of clinical diagnosis. There's a second level that isn't clinical, and it's just the disappointment of things not going as you envisioned. 
the disappointment that you want to feel a certain way throughout this season and the nostalgia isn't happening. You want people to respond a certain way to the gifts that you give them. You want people to respond in a certain way the way things that you do for them and they don't and you are disappointed. Some of you are going to go through the season and everything's going to line up the way that you thought it was supposed to line up. The parties are going to be the way that you thought they were going to be. The gifts are going to go over the way that you thought they were going to go over. And then you're going to find yourself waking up on December 26 just as empty as you used to be because you are a fake and phony person. And you pretend you put a veneer out there. But the truth is you are empty. You are disappointed every single day because you are focused on your plans and you're not giving your life over to God's purposes. And so my hope today is that we will go through this narrative and deal with the issue of disappointment. You can come out on the other side and you can be a real person dealing with the real stuff of life. I don't like fake people. I don't even pretend to like fake people. If I think you're fake, I don't trust you and I don't want to be around you. You should have the same standards in your life. The problem is, is most fake people gather together and they're just fake with each other and they never have real relationships in their lives. You need to realize that life is real. Struggle is real. Disappointment does happen. And if you're never dealing with the negatives of your life, you will never endure the pain to come out on the other side to receive God's promises. If you spend enough time in Scripture, you will realize that there's not a single promise in Scripture that does not demand the person to whom the promise has been given to endure pain along the path of getting there. And so when you are determined... To avoid pain in your life, you are walking away from the very promises that God has given you so that you can have his purpose come to fruition in your life. I don't know what your year has looked like. Maybe it's been the best year of your life, but I know that for many of you, you are battling disappointment. And quite frankly, today's sermon is for you. I don't want the season to go by and we just talk about faith, hope, love, peace, joy, and know that probably most, if not all of you, aren't experiencing any of those things in reality because you are perpetually disappointed with the life that you think God has condemned you to live. So the question is, how do you endure and face the Christmas season knowing you aren't feeling it and battling just to hold on to any semblance of joy? Because the fact is, you can be disappointed and still have joy. In Luke 1, 26, the narrative begins, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And so right there in those first two verses, you see the plan. Everything was lining up. They had their path. They knew where they were going. They'd done everything right. Everything's going to work out. Verse 28. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And so her first response to the angel Gabriel giving her a revelatory greeting isn't to worship God, isn't to praise God, isn't to thank the angel she says, uh-oh. Her life is about to be disrupted because Jesus is the great disruptor. If you've never had your plans disrupted by Jesus and everything in your life has just worked out the way that you planned it to go, I'll be honest with you, you've never experienced Jesus because Jesus is the great disruptor. 
She was greatly troubled, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end Try to imagine the human element of this narrative for just a moment where someone who has a great reputation because she is chaste, she is pure in the world's sense, her husband, they're about to be married. And right here, this angel says, by the way, you're going to have a miraculous birth. Imagine just for a moment that you can experience the human element because the text doesn't tell us that any other family member was told. Text doesn't tell us that all of her circle of friends were informed as to the source of this baby. No, her reputation's going to be ruined. Her marriage is probably going to be over. Nothing about her life is going to equal out to the path that she thought she was going to be on. And I'm not trying to eisegete into the text, I promise. But I cannot think, thinking about this from a human standpoint, that there's anything in Mary's life and anything in the narratives that we know about Joseph's life, regardless of the fact that Jesus was born. Just just a few months later and everything that goes on in Luke chapter 2. There has to be disappointment in the path right here. The text is clear that it was there for Joseph. That's why it says since he was a good guy, he determined to put her away quietly. In other words, he was going to dump her and walk away, but try to save her reputation so that he wouldn't ruin his own. His plans were going to subvert God's plans until an angel came to Joseph and said, hold up, son, I got a new plan for your life. You just imagine the disappointment that she is experiencing. But understand, number one this morning, that disappointment can reveal misplaced trust. Disappointment can reveal misplaced trust. Expectations versus reality is a real thing. There's a stark contrast between Luke 1 and Luke 2. There's temptation to believe that when God makes a promise to us and we respond with trust and praise, the road ahead is going to be an easy road. But then... When we encounter the resistance or struggle, we are disappointed to a, degree, to a degree of doubt about God and His promises. That has to have happened to you at some point. Where His purpose didn't measure out to your plan and His calling was going to require you to sacrifice more than you thought you were capable of sacrificing. That is the difference between real faith and phony faith. That is the difference between faith and religion. Is when God comes in, Jesus the great interrupter comes in and says, I'm going to change everything for you so that you can align your plans with my purpose. How do you respond with the difficulty? Have you ever seen Pinterest fails? I especially love the cake fails. I love them. Uh, my son also, uh, my youngest son, he loves watching people endure pain. I don't know what to do with that. I'll be honest with you. I don't know uh, if there's something that I need to correct here. But when he watches videos of people falling, he will laugh harder than he should. <laughs> and he was at a, at a friend's house and that friend got hurt and that friend was crying and he couldn't stop laughing. And we didn't know what to do. I was like, well, I, I, gotta, I just, uh, just got to let him write it out. I, uh, everyone's offended. And I'm like, man, well. That's normal for me anyway, so. 
But the fact is that sometimes you'll do these, these cake things. And I loved, I watched one, one time where it was a SpongeBob cake and a mom was going to make her kid a SpongeBob cake for the birthday. And what came out of the oven was not SpongeBob. <laughs> it was the stuff of nightmares. It was just this yellowy goo with googly eyes. You give that to a five-year-old on his birthday, the whole party's having nightmares. Nobody's getting any sleep that night. You got to call a professional before the party ever happens. But sometimes that's the way that our lives really happen. So many times our expectations are misplaced because we don't expect to be tested. We don't expect to be stretched. We don't expect that the calling of God on our lives is going to be something that actually challenges us. So often I watch people, you think you're going to receive the call of God and then just sit there, ask God to do stuff, depend on his promises and have them delivered to you in two business days like Amazon Prime. <laughs> That's not the way God's promises work, friends. There's always a pathway of pain to receive the promise through faith. When the angel reveals to Mary she's going to have this baby, her first response is that she's troubled. In a real sense, God's mission was ruining her life, even if the outcome was to raise one of the most extraordinary lives in human history, the most extraordinary life in human history. The question that you must be confronted with this morning from this text is, do you want God to use you? And I think without a doubt, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, let's hope that stays, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ then you are going to say, yes, I want God to use me, but you're going to say yes until it disrupts your plans. And then, so often, you are going to be disappointed and you might even walk away from the calling of God, if not the faith entirely. Your trust, what you're actually chasing within your life, is revealed by what you desire. And so the question there is, where is your disappointment right now? I think every single person in this room is disappointed somewhere with something. I wake up every day disappointed. It's just the truth. There's a thousand disappointments. I don't know if I'm just more introspective, but I don't believe that's an uncommon human experience. I think that if you aren't disappointed on a daily basis, you might be insane. The question isn't, are you disappointed right now? The question is, what do your disappointments reveal about you? Every time disappointment happens in your life, you desperately need to pause and take an introspective look at your core desires and affections. You need to really ask yourself, how am I disappointed right now? And why am I disappointed right now? What is my disappointment revealing about my faith? What is it that I'm pursuing with my life, whether it is people or just material things? Our disappointments can reveal places where we need to repent and trust God. Can I shepherd you just for a minute? I think the life of Village Church, people that call Village Church home, I think we have two sins that we struggle with here in our church that desperately need repentance. I think the first one is our love of money. We define our lives by material gain and we pursue material over everything. But then secondly, I believe is our status with other people. Those are two pursuits that will always leave you disappointed, and I want you to understand that. And that is hard, a hard thing to say. But it's the truth of the situation in our lives. 
is that we're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're proclaiming that we have great faith in the face of difficulty in this life because we have a great redemption. But in a practicality, are you growing in your faith if the greatest desire in your life is material gain? If the greatest desire in your life is how you compare yourself to other people and how desperately you want the approval of other people. If Jesus Christ approves of you through his cross, why are are you so desperate for the applause of man? Why are you so desperate to have status with other people? If the king of kings loves you, is that not a sufficient standard to define your life by? If you pursue money and you don't get it, you will live a dissatisfied life. If you pursue money out of your absolute love for money and you get it, you will never have Jesus Christ in your life. You cannot serve God in mammon. It's impossible. It's the truth. In Psalm 73, the psalmist gives us this truth. I love this psalm because it's so honest. So many of the psalms are. Truly, God is good to Israel. He starts with this great praise. God is so good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Is that your life? Do you want the goodness of God? Who wants to go to hell? But you look at the lives of unbelievers and they're the ones that actually have everything you want. And your decision right there is what's going to define the rest of your life. You want to trust God and follow him, but you want what unbelievers have. The core of disappointment is the path of pain that leads to the glory of God's promise. And it risks the things of this world every single time. Friends, faith is about trusting the future that God has called you to walk into. Psalm 42, the psalmist gets real. He says in verse 11, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. You see what he's doing there? He's taking an introspective look at his life, and he sees despair. He sees turmoil. He sees emptiness. He sees disappointment. And he doesn't say, if God would just give me what I want. And what does he say? He corrects himself. This is what repentance looks like, friends. My voice isn't what it should be, or I'd yell this. He says, hope in God. He's talking, he's looking at the man in the mirror, and he says, get it right. Stop worshiping false gods. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. That is the call of faith in the face of life's disappointment. So what do you do with your disappointment? Secondly, this morning, walk with God through your disappointment. Most people either deny their disappointment or they wallow in their disappointment. And neither of those is healthy. The Bible is filled with disappointed people. Some of my favorite things about the Bible. This is one of the things when I was a young man, it just drew me to Scripture because it did not deny 
the sinfulness of man. It did not deny the struggle with faith. It did not deny that God uses imperfect people who are often very disappointed by the God that they're following. Christmas shows the extent to which God wants to give you a new life. And that, of course, is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what do you do when that new life is filled with disappointment? You're going to wonder, should I have kept the old life? As I said, Mary's life was ruined. Her relationships at risk, her choices, her character were questioned. The work of God in her life forever changed the landscape of her life to the extent that pretty much everything would be more difficult in her life from that day forward. It is often a real gift from God when things don't go the way you envisioned. Did you know that? When things don't go the way that you thought they were going to go, that's where the gift is. Because God wants to do work in your life through it. God's got a promise on the other side of pain every single time. Because the road to the miraculous is often paved with disappointment. As I said, the Bible's filled with it. Many of the greatest miracles that have happened in Scripture begin with what feels tragic and life-ending, not altering, ending. One of the issues with the way we read the narratives of Scripture is we rarely look at the human element. They had emotions, fears, joys, yes, disappointments. Through it all, though, God was working towards his purposes. And I want to give you just a brief sampling. I want to start with the patriarch, Abraham. God promised Abraham a son that would make him the father of many nations. And after seasons of doubt, seasons of struggle, God fulfilled his promise through Isaac. But then I want you to look at Genesis 22, 1 through 3. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Now, yes, God provides a sacrificial ram. Isaac's life is spared, of course. But at that moment, Abraham didn't know that. Could you imagine the disappointment and the pain in every piece of wood he chopped? He endured so much difficulty. Even God himself says, Isaac, whom you love. Disappointment. Consider Jochebed, Moses' mother, Many of you have experienced the joy of motherhood, that moment when you find out that you are pregnant. And I know that many of you have also experienced that, that pregnancy didn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. And the story of your child isn't going the way that you thought it would go if the child was even born. But Jochebed in Exodus 2, 1 through 3, had a child in a season where all male children were to be executed. They hid Moses as long as they could, but when they couldn't hide Moses any longer, they put Moses in a raft, sent him downstream, and Moses ended up being adopted by the very people that had called for his execution as a child of Israel. And then Jochebed was called to be one of the nurses, and she got to watch as the one who would have killed her son raised her son as one of her own. Imagine the disappointment. 
In the New Testament, Martha and Mary are known for their earthly friendship and devotion to Jesus. Their brother Lazarus was described as a beloved friend of Jesus. So when Lazarus was very ill, Martha sent word to Jesus because she knew he could heal him. In John chapter 11, starting in verse 32, it describes what it is like to know God can do something, but the disappointment when He doesn't. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet, saying to Him, Lord, if You had only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in His spirit and greatly troubled. Of course, Jesus ends up raising Lazarus from the dead, but they don't know that at this point. All that they know is Jesus didn't show up on time to do the miracle that they wanted. God is always near the brokenhearted. God knew exactly what He was going to do. Jesus knew exactly why He didn't show up in time in John chapter 11. Notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke the pain that Mary expresses. John 11.35 actually states that Jesus wept with them. Jesus understood the disappointment. Jesus was with her in her disappointment. He sympathized with her disappointment. He cared. My question for you is, what do you do with your disappointment? The answer is never to be a phony person and deny it. But the answer is also not to let your life be defined by disappointment. That's what so many in our era choose, right? choose to live a life of never breaking through the pain to the promise. Instead, they just wallow in the grief and the sorrow. Psalm 34, 18 promises that God is walking with us in our sorrow. The Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. You need to grapple with what you do with your disappointment. Do you resent God and use it as an excuse to disobey His clear call even for a season? Do you refuse to step forward into the future that He has designed for you to walk into by faith? You need to drill down into them. You need to experience your disappointments and then look for what God is doing in the midst of your disappointments to grow your life and to grow your faith. I love the song, Mary, Did You Know? I say this every year. It's one of the rants that I love to give every year because there are these, you know, amateur theologians out there uh, who would say, oh, that's a terrible song. Of course Mary knew. Don't you read the Bible? Mary knew everything that was going to happen. Shut up. I'm smarter than you. Come on. (laughs) What are you going to lay that at my feet, fool? I like that song. Yeah, Mary probably knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. Yeah, Mary knew everything that the angel had said to her. Do you have any idea the emotion that Mary went through as she was raising God the Son? Have you any idea how weird that would be? Have you any idea how it felt as the world vilified her son when he came into his earthly ministry? Have any idea how it felt for her own family members to condemn her very son for just saying who he was? For the Pharisees to always have him under the threat of death. Do you have any idea what it must have felt like to see her son be whipped over and over and over? Do you think she knew how that would feel? Do you think she knew how it was going to feel to see her son on the cross suffering and dying? Do you think she knew how it was going to feel for Jesus to look at John? Say, take care of my mom. 
I think she had any idea how it was going to feel. To three days after his death received the report, your son is alive. So no, I don't think Mary knew. And if you're determined to follow that path, I will let you understand that your theology has transcended application to human existence and it's worthless. Stories of Scripture are so real that they're the real stuff of life. Yet, Scripture reveals to us that Mary trusted and followed God into the future He had designed for her to live. Are you? Number three this morning, understand every disappointment should build faith in God's plan and purpose. Every disappointment should build faith in God's plan and purpose. Purpose is greater than plan. Purpose is greater than plan. And the sooner you admit that, accept it, and find joy in it, the more you're going to grow in your faith. Because if you are determined that your plans are unchangeable, even in the face of God calling you out of them, whether it be through revelation or whether it be through pain, then you will never experience the hand of God in your life. When I was in high school, I read a book by Jim Cimbala where on one of the pages he specifically states that I despaired at the thought that I would live my entire existence without seeing the hand of God move in my life. The only way for you to experience the hand of God moving in your life is if you write your plans in pencil and have a great eraser. But the disappointment that so many of you feel when God specifically doesn't let your plans work out is a revelation of the weakness of your faith. The greatest gift that God gives to us oftentimes is for our plans to be ruined because he has greater purpose for us. Proverbs 19.21 is a powerful verse. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Purpose is greater than plan. It is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. People's opinions don't stop. God's purpose. My disappointments can't stop God's purpose. It is His purpose that will prevail every single time. You can choose to wallow in your pain or you can walk through it knowing that nothing will ever defeat God's purpose in your life. That is the life that faith builds. Scripture doesn't deny pain. It deals with it. Scripture doesn't obscure human disappointment, it reveals it. The narratives result in the purpose of God being seen as His plan unfolds. Friends, when you live by faith, your plan will need to be adjusted over and over and over again. But with the understanding that God's purpose never changes. I lost count how many times I've had to change my plans. I thought they were set this is the direction we're going in, and then God changes everything in my life. And the truth of whether I trust God is revealed and how quickly I'm willing to say, okay, not my will, but yours, Lord. Your purpose is more important than my plans. It is the objective anchor that leads us through a life of joy-filled anticipation. Mary is this great 
example of faith because she realigned her plans to fit God's purpose. Look further down at Luke 1.46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For He has looked on the humble estate of His servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For He who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is His name, and His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. The answer to disappointment is always faith. Always, always. So the question you need to grapple with this morning is what are you disappointed with this morning? What is it this morning you're disappointed about? What did you bring in here that's heavy on your soul? And then use that to diagnose what it is revealing about your chief desires. What is it revealing about your faith? Is your disappointment revealing something that you need to repent of? Is there a greater purpose God is calling you to walk in? Do your plans need to adjust to fit His plans for His purpose? I'll be honest, disappointment can shake your confidence in God. Here's the reality. Confidence is a great way to understand the role of faith in your life. Because it is trusting God's promises based on confidence that God will actually deliver. And your disappointments don't change that. In Luke 1, 46-50 that we just read, we see Mary move from being troubled at what the angel revealed in the greeting to worshiping God because she had confidence in His purpose for her life. Christmas is a great reminder of why we have confidence in God. It is a great season that even in light of disappointment, we can look to the Word of God and the evidence of the power of God and the incarnation of God the Son and the way in which it took place through two very real people's lives, aligning their plans with His purpose. Look again at Luke 1, 49. He who is mighty, has done great things for me. And holy is His name. That is an anchor to hold in the face of disappointment. Mary trusted God when her life was upended. And so should you. Christmas narrative helps you realign your disappointments to cultivate faith that you've never experienced before and won't experience without the pain. A few application points. First, examine whether your desires match God's purposes. Examine whether your desires match God's purposes. What are you pursuing with your life? What are you chasing? What has captivated your heart? be real. Secondly, trust that God is with you in your disappointment. He's near to the brokenhearted. He will save you out of it if you will walk by faith. Thirdly, move forward with God instead of becoming stagnant in sorrow. 
That is such a struggle for so many in our era. You want to actually define yourself by your sorrow. And it has become the excuse to hold you back from the life that God has for you. God doesn't want you to be stagnant. God wants you to move because He is moving. That's why Jesus doesn't call us to sit there with Him. He calls us to follow Him because He's moving. Fourthly, realign your plans to find joy in God's purposes for you. Because that is the path of faith. 